Well, hi there, friend. Welcome to Unshaken. I'm your host, Julie Van Warmer, and this is a podcast of the Women of the Word Ministry of Christ the Word Church. And today we start season four. It's just amazing to me. When we started this process back in April of 2020 and then released our first episode in July of 2020, I really wasn't sure what was going to happen. I didn't know if people would listen. I didn't know if it would be helpful. But we've heard that it's good and helpful for you. And we're amazed over here at Unshaken at how many people are listening. So we're going to just kick off another season and go season by season, trying to get you good truths of God's word to encourage you, whether you're in quarantine or whether you're just driving in your car or doing your dishes, whatever. We just want to be an encouragement. You can always reach out to me at unshakenpsalm622 at gmail.com if you want to share a note. I received one uh, about a week ago, and it was really an encouragement to me about a specific episode that someone found to be really helpful. I'm so thankful that person took the time to let me know. It's good, and it helps me a whole bunch. Um, Hey, don't forget, also, you can subscribe to the podcast um, when you head over to your favorite podcast directory, like Apple Podcast or Google Podcast, and then you'll get notification of every episode that drops each week. Well, hey, friends, I just wanted to tell you about something really exciting that we're doing over here at Unshaken. We're going to start a book club. Isn't that fabulous? During season three, one particular book kept being mentioned in the interviews I did. It was mentioned actually four times. I thought it would be great to read this book and talk about it more, so I invited my friend Erica Simpson to join me each week during the months of June and July in a little mini bonus episode series. It's going to drop the same as our regular episodes. I hope you'll join us. We're going to be discussing the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness by Jim Wilson. You can order this on your favorite online bookstore, but you also can find a free PDF of it if you Google it. Um, and then you can just print it out and read it. Um, you're just going to read one chapter a week and then tune in. And we're going to talk about how this book has impacted each one of us. And I think how it's going to be impacting you too. These episodes are going to just drop right along with our regularly scheduled Unshaken episodes each Thursday. I hope you'll join us. Well, this season we're going to spend the whole 12 weeks talking about something that's really important to all Christians. Uh, Some of you might call it spiritual disciplines, the duties of being a Christian, right? Uh, We might call it uh, living out our faith. It's the way we walk our walk every day. Um, You know, we've been given so much through this gift of salvation that God has given to us through His Son, Jesus. And because of that free gift, we have to respond. And we're going to talk about all those responses, the ways that we can grow in the Lord. And so um, this is not going to be a to-do list, right? It's not going to be a list of things you do that's going to make you a Christian. It's just going to be our response to the fact that we have been given this gift of salvation. I also will say that I personally learn a ton by being reminded of things that I've heard a hundred times, but they really help me. And so some of these things are things you have probably heard before. Some of them you've heard referenced or spoken about on this podcast before too. And so although I'm not trying to keep repeating the same themes, I just think they're so important and it never hurts to touch on them again. Uh, So this season I recorded talks and interviews um, all around these ideas and I think you are going to enjoy them. They include things like 
how to really read your Bible every day. I mean, how do you do that? Uh, faithful prayer. How do you set up a system or some kind of an order for prayer and why should we do these things? What about scripture memory? I mean, the Puritans, they probably memorized tons of scripture, but do we really need to do it? All these kinds of questions around these themes are going to be presented this season. And I think you're going to love each and every episode. One hit TV show that aired in 2016 was called The Crown. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you even watched some of it. It was the amazing retelling of Queen Elizabeth's wedding in 1947 to Prince Philip all the way to the early 21st century of the royal family. For some reason, as little girls, we all wanted to be the princess, right? Or we were fascinated with this theme. I think all the world was fascinated with the royal family. It is all over the tabloids. And the Netflix show The Crown became a hit quickly. It was one of the top shows um, for 2016, 17, 19, and 2020. Uh, I'm guessing that our quarantine in 2020 helped that out a little bit. Today we're going to jump into an episode, a pre-recorded talk that was given at the 2016 Regarding Him Women's Con Conference at Christ the Word Church. This conference focused this year on the theme that you and I are daughters of the King. So Judy Cleveland is going to walk us through how you and I are actually royalty, and I'm putting some air quotes around that, um, and how we can live every day knowing how much our King loves us and cares for us, and we can be secure in His love and how you and I need to be responding to his love. Let's jump in to this talk by Judy Cleveland. Well, good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here and speak with you. Um, that once upon a time was uh, quite a few once upon, once upon a times ago, but it's like I can still see that that castle very clearly in my mind and I, I don't know if you've noticed but there's an enduring popularity with the Disney princesses and the royal house of Windsor in England and even the stories of King Arthur and Camelot are, are, are just timeless and I think they're an indication that we women no matter how old have a fascination with kings and queens and knights in shining armor and damsels in distress. I think there's a, a sense of high adventure and romance and, and daring do. As a grandmother, I've played princess for years with my granddaughters. And my grandsons dressed as knights and helmets and shields and wielding swords. They'd, they'd capture me and haul me off to the dungeon amidst much whooping and yelling. <laughs> it, it, was, it was grand fun. But I, I can relate to their enthusiasm because as a little girl, a very little girl, I watched the coronation of Elizabeth II, and it was a grand affair. Even on a small black and white TV in the 1950s, I was mesmerized, and I announced to mom and dad that I too wanted to be a queen. What a revelation to be told that no, not in my wildest dreams. Why? 
Well, Elizabeth was the daughter of George VI, and as such was born into a position of privilege, wealth, and power. When her father died, Elizabeth was entitled to an inheritance from her father, the throne of Great Britain, and all the associated rights and privileges. I, on the other hand, was the daughter of Frank and Jane in Chicago, Illinois. <laughs> I did get over my disappointment, and I grew up, got married, gave birth to a wonderful daughter, and moved to Toledo, Ohio. It was here about 30 years later that I learned from a newfound friend that yes, I could be the daughter of a king. Now, she didn't put it exactly like that. Instead, she told me about Jesus, about his love for me, about his forgiveness, and about heaven. Well, I knew about God and Jesus. After all, I was raised in a religious home and went to church. But as I look back, I see I, I had miscellaneous pieces to a spiritual puzzle and no idea how to put them together. Through her friendship and the work of the Holy Spirit, I came to understand that Jesus was the linchpin, the key, the piece of the puzzle that connected me to all the rest. Did I see how everything fit together at once? <laughs> oh no, just a few pieces at a time. But most important is that through Jesus, I learned about the Father. He says that if we see him, Jesus, that we see the Father. And over the years, windows of understanding opened, and the Father has become more than a cardboard character spoken of in the Bible. I know that he rules over an immensely rich kingdom and that through his son he has provided his daughters with an inheritance beyond anything they ever could imagine. The promises of God are that inheritance given us in Christ Jesus. They encompass all aspects of life and are eternal words of peace, love, hope, comfort and victory and the father provides everything needed so that we his daughters may lay hold of our inheritance and walk in the blessings of its pro of his promises first he prepared the way for us to enter his kingdom and then through the holy spirit he teaches and trains us how to claim our inheritance and apply it to our lives Finally, he purposes that we walk boldly in the fullness of our inheritance as his true daughters. He provides opportunities for us to do the work of his kingdom and later enter the great promise of eternal life with him. And we, like Elizabeth, we don't have to wonder how to become the daughter of a king. For her, it's written in the laws of Great Britain. But for us, it's written in the Bible. The story begins with Adam and Eve and their disobedience to God's command in the garden. After they sinned, man was condemned and without hope. And the father could have left things like that. But in his love and mercy, he promised to send a savior, the Messiah, who would bring reconciliation between God and man. 
And this was the father's plan. Prophets of old told of his birth, his ministry, his suffering, and death. And by his obedience to the father, he lived a perfect life, was put to death on a cross, and rose again. Just like the prophet said. He redeemed us from Satan's kingdom with his precious blood and opened the way for friendship with the Father. Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one can come to the Father or enter his kingdom except by him. And Jesus was quite clear that coming to him was more than just thinking that he's the Savior. It's more than being raised in a religious home like I was or experiencing a religious rite. To be a daughter of the king, you must believe in your heart that Jesus is the Savior. He said it was being born again in your spirit. And it is by grace, the Father's unmerited favor, that we are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We cannot manufacture it or make it happen. It's the gift of It's the gift of God. The father provided a gift in my newfound friend and used her to draw me to Jesus. (laughs) At first, I wasn't that interested. My mind was clouded and my heart was resistant. And quite honestly, I thought I was just a bit too smart and sophisticated for that Jesus stuff. I was a good person. And being saved and born again was just a bit too much to handle. Yet, I could not deny that she had something I wanted. She dealt with problems differently. She had a peace that I didn't. Where I had confusion, she had certainty about the issues of life. And I didn't want to admit that I couldn't handle the messes in my life and that I needed help. How patient, how understanding, how kind to put up with me. Eventually, she invited me to church. I went. I liked it. <laughs> I went again. And, and I liked it even more. Little did I suspect that the Father was mounting a full court press through the Holy Spirit. After one midweek service, my friend and I went out for ice cream. As, as we were eating, she brought out her Bible, and she showed me the way of salvation. We ended up sitting in the back seat of her Ford Pinto station wagon. And, <laughs> no, it's really serious, guys. <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, because it was there. It was there, sitting in that back seat, that that I I really saw for the first time that I was a sinner. It was so clear. And I really wanted Jesus to forgive my sin and change my heart. So I asked him for forgiveness right then and there. And the miracle is, I received salvation. I was born again, and now I belong to the Father. I was no longer a slave to sin, but an adopted daughter of the King. I had a new peace in my heart and gladness. But honestly, ladies, I didn't have a clue or understand the depth of what had happened.
I was a spiritual newbie, and I didn't know much about Jesus, God's kingdom, or the inheritance I had. I didn't know what to do next, and I had a lot of questions. I read my Bible, and I went to church, and the women befriended me and invited me to a Bible study. They listened to my questions, and they made sense of what being born again meant and explained words and ideas that I didn't understand. Since the life of Jesus had been planted in my heart, I realized I didn't have to live the life I did before. I was a child of the king, a member of his family, and a citizen of his kingdom. And my father didn't want me to stay a newbie. He wanted me to grow up. And by the Holy Spirit and his word, he taught me how to claim the, the, the promises of my inheritance and make them part of my life. It was a big deal to me the first time a scripture became real. It was, it was 1 Peter 5, 7, and it says, Cast all your anxieties, all your worries, all your cares upon the Father, for he cares and watches over you. Oh, it was no coincidence that I came upon that verse. Because cares, anxieties, and fears had been constant companions of mine. It was good news, but how in the world do I do that? Well, I didn't have to scratch my head and wonder. Our our inheritance, the promises, are written in the Bible. Now, I don't recall where I found the verse, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Uh, it, it may have come up in Bible study, or maybe I found it in the promise section of the back of my Bible, but I sure wish that I would have had this book that I found in the bookstore. <laughs> and this is a bit of a commercial, uh, but if, but if, but this is really a very handy book, and I recommend it to you. But the point is, I found the verse, and it told me exactly what I was to do. Be anxious for nothing, in everything, by prayer and petition, with supplication, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I memorized that verse, and I said it to myself when when I needed to turn away fearful and anxious thoughts. I did what the verse called me to do. I talked to God about my fears, and I put a name to him, and I asked him for help. I gave him thanks that he would send me that peace that passes understanding. Well, I was so new, and I had to learn that it takes time, practice, and perseverance to change. I later realized that I had had my first training session in taking a promise from the Bible and weaving it into my life. And it dawned on me that I wasn't to take up space in God's kingdom. I had been given a magnificent inheritance, but just because I had received it did not guarantee that I would prosper. Again, consider Queen Elizabeth. Suppose she never, suppose she stayed in Buckingham Palace and never went to Westminster Abbey to be crowned. She wouldn't be queen of anything. 
and the responsibilities and work of the monarchy would languish. She had to claim the crown to reign. And so it is with us. If we do not seek out and pursue our inheritance by embracing the truth of the promises, we will be daughters of the king in name only. It happens all too frequently that we read the Bible, we know what the Father has provided through Jesus, we believe it's true, but somehow we don't see the fruit in our lives. Others seem to have more peace, more joy, more victory than we do. We long for what they have and we try, but we feel like we don't succeed. The truth is, is that we have roadblocks in our path to derail us and cause us to squander the power of the promises we have in Christ. And we have an adversary, the devil, that uses the fruit of our sinful nature to keep us from realizing who we are and whose we are. He can get us off track at any time in our lives, but he frequently uses the inexperience and vulnerability of youth to plant his evil seeds. They take root, grow, and often will be considered just part of our personality, just who we are. And Satan may not even be concerned that you're born again, because what he did years ago will continue to dog your heels and bear bad fruit. You may be discouraged and think there's no way out, but you're not seeing the situation clearly. You may not believe this, but we, his daughters, have an eyesight problem. You see this pair of glasses? You may think they're amusing, but they're nothing to smile about. Why? Well, with these glasses, I look at life from Satan's point of view. See how big they are? <laughs> they divert my eyes from the truth of God's word, and they focus on past circumstances, present difficulties, and ladies. They can even see into the future and anticipate future challenges and disasters. Odds are you have a pair of these in your purse. <laughs> Satan uses them to trick and deceive us all the time. And the strategy, the strategy is to keep us from seeing ourselves as daughters of a loving father entitled to a double portion of his inheritance. He wants us to believe that we're not our father's daughters, but orphans. Orphans left on our own. Orphans left to our own devices to make our own way. And we attempt to fix ourselves and find ways to compensate for our insecurities, our fears, and our feelings of rejection. And we think we solve the problem by building an alternate identity according to the world's standards. We assume the trappings of a successful life according to the latest trends. We get that job. We buy that car, that house, those clothes, and we think we're building a place of safety, making up for what we think we lack, but the reality is the baggage is still with us. The baggage clouds our minds. When we read God's word, it doesn't penetrate into our hearts and cause change. The truth about the abundant life in the promises of God is marginalized. We limp along to get along. 
We feel stuck because all we focus on is the stuff and junk of our lives. The challenges seem insurmountable, and it's easy to get discouraged and stay put. We forget who we are. What we really need is a pair of corrective lenses, spiritually speaking. I call these my Jesus glasses, and, and they're something to smile about. Oh. How do they help? Well, they redirect my vision to the word and what God says. They help me focus on the truth and remember that the father did not leave me an orphan. He chose me and he chose you and adopted us as daughters. These glasses focus on the provision in the word and we see clearly that our inheritance, the promises, are assuredly ours, and yes and amen in Jesus. They are true beyond a doubt and can be, in re can be as real in our lives as the crown on Elizabeth's head. Now you may think that the fear and anxiety that I told you about earlier were dispatched and no longer an issue when I took hold of the help of Scripture. Well, it wasn't an end. It was a beginning. It was a start in overcoming a sin that had deep roots in my life. It was a beginning in trusting the word, the truth of his word, and the power it has to change my life. You know, it's a lot like peeling an onion. You know, the Holy Spirit takes off one layer, helps you deal with it, and behold, there's another layer, and then another, and another over the years, the Holy Spirit has showed me those layers in a variety of ways. Most often, he uses the word because it has the power to slice through my thoughts and emotions and reveal my heart. But the Father, he knows me inside and out, and he knows when to combine the word with a song, a conversation, or pastor's preaching to get my attention. So you see, this letting go and laying hold isn't a one-shot deal or a three-step method. There's no magic formula or a template. It's a process. And processes can be messy. Processes aren't predictable. And progress generally doesn't go in a straight line. But that's no excuse to pull up a chair and wait. As daughters, we can place ourselves in a position to hear the Holy Spirit. We read the Word, we pray, we worship with God's family, and we fellowship with His people. All of those things provide the opportunity for the Father to teach and train us in order to move us forward in our spiritual life. And well, I, I have a story about how God moved me forward. It's not particularly spiritual, but it is something that I would like to share. And it was at this point I was going to say uh, that it's, it's no secret I'm a woman of a certain age, but after Wendy's introduction, you are certain of my age. <laughs> But, but, but the truth is, as you get a little older, maybe some of you have experienced this, uh, your body changes. And 
Uh, you know, uh, for me, bulges would appear from nowhere, and I was feeling a bit fluffy. <laughs> Would this keep happening and, 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 and I become like the Pillsbury Doughboy? <laughs> well, I voiced my concerns to my daughter, Sarah, and she looked at me and she said, Well, Mom, what are you going to do about it? I was taken aback and a little hurt. What do you mean, do about it? Can't she see that I wanted some sympathy? Couldn't she tell that I wanted her to tell me that she couldn't see the extra weight that I was carrying? <sighs> well, the truth is, I was playing a little game that we all might be familiar with. You know, you voice a concern to someone and they give you reassurance. Oh, no, it's not as bad as you think. Or they say, problem? What problem? You don't have a problem. And once again, you pass up the opportunity to deal with it, and it goes on the back burner. But the thing is, everybody's happy. Now, the Holy Spirit uh, didn't take long for him to show me the truth and the reality of that conversation. It hit me like a ton of bricks. I saw how I can be less than serious about dealing with my sin and play a very good spiritual, cat, spiritual game of cat and mouse with the Holy Spirit. I've gone to Bible study and asked for prayer for a forgiving heart and then not pursue reconciliation. I'm aware of my undisciplined tongue given to gossip I confess this to a friend and we pray, and then I, I take no steps to bridle my speech. Well, the Holy Spirit has hit the replay button on that conversation ever since. When confronted by my sin and tempted to do the spiritual shuffle, I hear, Okay, Judy, what are you going to do about it? I know I have to stop and be very honest with myself. Which pair of glasses am I wearing? Many times I put on the big glasses and I focus on my problems. And other times I've got my Jesus glasses on and I can see the truth. And many times I've got both pairs on. <laughs> and... And, and believe me, it's hard to see clearly. And things are blurry. And I really doubt whether I have the desire or the strength to deal with my sin. But usually, I can see just enough out of these Jesus glasses to ask the Holy Spirit for help. And the Father has ordained that the Holy Spirit will send help. There's a magnificent promise in Philippians 2.13 that provides much encouragement and reassurance. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Who works in me? God works in me. Claiming my inheritance doesn't depend upon my strength or my power. 
The Father provides, and His provision is marvelous. He works in me to will, and then He works in me to make it happen in my life. And as I said before, this doesn't happen instantly. No wand, no angel dust, no abracadabras. The Father knows that we can't step into the fullness of our inheritance if we are not trained to receive it. Think about Elizabeth. She wasn't born knowing the details of her inheritance or how to be queen. She was trained how to think like a royal, how to act like a royal, and how to use the power of her position to rule and reign. Without preparation, she would not have been able to confidently take hold of the crown and reign with assurance. And as daughters of the king, we need to be prepared. We need to be trained how to think like a daughter, how to act like a daughter, and how to use the power given us in Jesus So from the time we're born again, we enter the Father's boot camp and stay there our entire lives. While the Father through Jesus has provided all things needed to take hold of our inheritance. And the process I described earlier of taking hold of his precious and magnificent promises is how he begins to train our minds. And we have a responsibility to lay hold and guard the truth of his word. And we get better and better at that as we practice. But even though we know the Father has promised never to leave us nor forsake us, our trust and confidence in him and his word can be shaken. Given certain circumstances, it's easy to put on these big glasses and let our minds faint and our emotions run wild. It happened to me as I prepared for today. Now, I started out just fine. My Jesus glasses were on and I was confident that the Holy Spirit would direct me. Even so, my thoughts went in so many directions and I lost my focus. Without realizing it, I was putting these glasses on. The result? It took forever to write anything, and then it sounded like an academic lecture. I ate too many cookies, and I lost a lot, and I lost some sleep. And it became very clear to me that I was more worried about what I wanted to say than trusting the Father to provide. Doubts came on wings of worry and discouragement was not far behind. I needed to stop and decide what was I going to do about it. So I put my Jesus glasses on and I chose to focus on some promises in Scripture. I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Jesus said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus nailed it when he said, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I was acting like the disciples as their boat was sinking in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. They were overwhelmed by circumstances, and so was I. 
Now, I, I, I would recite Philippians 4 or 5, and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard my heart and mind in Christ Jesus. But I had doubts that the Father would deliver. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, the Bible defines faith as the assurance, the confirmation, the certainty of things hoped for, and the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith sees as real fact what is not revealed to our senses. The words aren't difficult to understand, but can be a challenge to see what they look like in real life. Now, years ago as a newbie, Faith was a mystery, and I will not tell you that, it's, that I've got a real handle on it. But what I would do back then is I would search in myself, digging around for faith. And I thought that if I felt like I had faith, then I had it. Sometimes I did, and most often I didn't. I was relying on feeling, and as we all know, emotions aren't very reliable. And as I searched for this peace that passes all understanding, I was reminded of a conversation that I had with my cousin Nancy. She was dealing with a naughty problem that was causing distress and discouragement. And I recall her saying, I choose to believe what the Word of God says. Now, when she said, I choose, it wasn't a matter of preferring chocolate to vanilla. When she said that, I choose, it meant that she was done with fear and doubt and ready to set her heart on the truth of the word of God. She found faith in believing the promises of God. And I remembered that faith isn't something I conjure up or find within myself. I find it in the Bible. And as I pondered that conversation, I decided to reach beyond what I thought or felt and set my heart on the promised peace. And the promise is true beyond all shadow of a doubt because it rests on the power and authority of the Father and His Son Jesus. And every promise is yes and amen in Him. I knew that no matter what I was thinking, how I was feeling, or what was happening, Jesus was guarding my heart and mind and I fought the negatives to make it real. Now, the fight wasn't surprising. Any time we choose to exchange the strongholds of sin for the promises of God, Satan will be right there. He has no intention of easily giving up ground that he has occupied for years. And knowing this, I know I knew that attitude determines action and it was a priority for me to deal with negative thoughts and emotions that gave the lie to the peace I knew was mine. I was back in the father's boot camp but I wasn't starting from scratch. Prior victories brought assurance and I was encouraged to launch out in faith once more. The Father builds spiritual muscle so we can take on more significant battles. In fact, the Bible tells us to rejoice, <clears throat> excuse me, to rejoice when faced with trials and temptations. The purpose is to test and train our faith 
to produce perseverance. And faith grows because strength is found in the strain. And we're not left helpless. The Father provides through Jesus the power tools we need for the fight. And each of us needs to know how to fight through the smoke and mirror tactics of the enemy. His goal for you is to give up, admit defeat, and retreat. But greater is our God. And there were two sessions today that dealt specifically with this issue. The dragon slayer, vanquishing sin in your life, and the warrior, raising your shield for battle. Good, sound, practical information was presented by women who have learned to use the weapons of warfare provided in Jesus to fight the good fight of faith. And victory over sin is achieved, and we do see evidence of peace, love, and contentment in our lives that we didn't have before. However, these these victories are not for the purpose of spiritual self-beautification. The Father does not intend for us to become well-appointed artifacts in a spiritual museum. His plan and purpose encompass much more than that. He desires that our inheritance bear fruit. And victories over sin bring that fruit. It brings the fruit of joy and peace and kindness and patience and gentleness into our lives. They are true blessings and increase our love and confidence in the Father. We desire to walk more and more as his true daughters. And we are able to move beyond our safety zone and take risks for the kingdom. He intends that we be living examples that demonstrate his love in practical ways. To do that, we need to keep our Jesus glasses on and throw these others away. Scripture calls us to serve one another, bear one another's burdens, and not weary of doing well. We are to encourage one another and build each other up and think of ways to motivate each other to love and good works. And let's face it, ladies, we all need exhortation, love, and encouragement. So when the Holy Spirit challenges you to step out of your comfort zone, let's not do the spiritual shuffle and go looking for these glasses. Obey the promptings of the Holy Spirit and have confidence that he will provide grace in time of need. Seize the opportunity and encourage a sister to stay strong and walk strong in her inheritance. What glory will abound to the Father as we labor in his kingdom? And yes, we are to be mindful to take care of the Father's business, but scripture tells us not to fix our eyes on the things of earth. When we wear our Jesus glasses, our vision changes. They help lift our eyes toward our final destination, eternal life with the Father. And the Bible is clear that we are just temporary residents here on earth. It describes us as sojourners, pilgrims, foreigners, and exiles. And it may seem that there's a vast divide between our life here on earth and life in eternity but scripture says that the two are not separate and distinct but in reality are very much intertwined it may surprise you that the training we experience in the father's boot camp is called a light affliction 
in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. Paul says that the challenges and difficulties we experience today prepare us for a glory in eternity that defies comparison with any joy here on earth. Let me tell you that again. Paul says that the challenges and difficulties we experience here on earth prepare us for a glory in eternity that defies comparison with any, any joy found on earth. What an encouragement to persevere, knowing that pressing into our trials reach beyond this life and prepare us to meet our Father and enjoy eternal life with Him. And preparing us for heaven was the cornerstone of the Father's plan from the beginning. His goal was to reverse the curse that closed heaven to Adam and Eve and all their descendants. This was accomplished through Jesus' sinless life and his death on the cross. Jesus reconciled us to the Father and the way to eternal life was opened. According to 1 Peter 1, 3 and 4, it was the mercy of God that caused us to be born again to a living hope, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and will never fade away, reserved for us in heaven. The Bible constantly refers to heaven as the great hope of our life here on earth. We will not always be in the Father's boot camp. A day will come when this life is over and we enter the true joy of heaven. And time and time again in the word of God, we are given the assurance of the reality of our inheritance and the dependability of the Father. We are told in Hebrews 6, 17 to 20, that it is impossible for God to lie. And that we who have gone to him for refuge will would have strong encouragement to lay hold of the hope set before us. This hope is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and reaches into heaven where Jesus has gone before us. Our Father is faithful. He has provided everything, and we can depend upon him. Countless men and women through the ages, and even quite recently, have taken hold of the promised hope of eternal life and were not overcome by circumstances. They fought the temptation to squander their inheritance and rejoiced even though their faith was tested by fire. They believed in the reality of heaven and pressed on to secure the inheritance which does not perish. Let us take encouragement from those who have gone before us. Let us strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and make our paths straight. Let's not dilly-dally around in fear and doubt and squander what we have been given. As daughters of the King, let us walk boldly in the inheritance that we have been given. The Father has given us everything. He's provided us salvation to enter his kingdom. He teaches and trains us to claim our inheritance with the goal that we will share eternal life with him forever. Our inheritance is eternal. 
This is something that Queen Elizabeth could never claim. For her, the blessings of royalty were for this life only. And as we've seen over the years, the House of Windsor has certainly had its ups and downs. And things didn't turn out so well for King Arthur and Camelot. And the Disney princesses, well, they're fairy tales after all. But me and you as daughters of the king, the most high God, yes, we live happily ever after. And that's no fairy tale. Wow, what a great talk. I love the little story that Judy shared about her daughter's question after she felt a little fluffy. I can relate to that. And that question was, well, what are you going to do about it? What a great way to think about what we've listened to today. So I guess I ask you, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to wear your Jesus glasses every day and look at life through the lens of Scripture? Are you going to choose to live out your faith every day in obedience to God? Are you going to rest in the security of knowing that you are a daughter of the King? Judy gave us so much to think about as we live out our inheritance, our eternal inheritance. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hey, keep listening because we're going to talk about the very practical side of how you and I can live out our faith, how you and I can live in this inheritance that we have been given. It is going to be a great season. And don't forget to join us the first week of June for a brand new mini-series episode that we're going to drop the same as our regularly scheduled Unshaken episodes called Book Chats. Erica Simpson and I are going to be discussing uh, the book, How to Be Free from Bitterness, and I think you're going to want to grab a copy and you're going to want to start reading it right away and join us as we talk about that book. Hey, join us next week as we listen to another talk from this exact conference in 2016, Daughters of the King. This one is called Insecurity Banished. I think it's going to be a really good step in thinking about how you and I are daughters of the King and how we can be secure in what God has given to us. That episode will drop next Thursday. Remember, when everything around you is shaken, you can stand unshaken because of our rock and our fortress because of God. Until next time.